Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Okay, calm down. edition of Sunday Sermons on a rather murky Sunday morning here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Dan Barrero and Ryan Donaldson with you until 11 today. I believe Cake Show follows. No. Oh, they're off today? He is off today. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. He was off Friday, and um, my sources say there might have been a wedding involved somewhere, so he might be on a... He might have been on a Saturday night bender. Oh, I bet he was. Guardsy. Well, you got to take advantage where you can. You do. He's actually, I think, been to more weddings this summer than you. I'm only at one. You are having so far. a very, very modest summer for weddings. Last year, I think you went to about eight. I think it was eight. Might have even approached double digits. This year, not so much. So we're going to network stuff, I'm assuming, at 11 o'clock uh, today. We, um, it's a holiday schedule for a lot of us, 4th of July week, which we'll give you more information on later because I know you can't wait to hear it. But we're delighted you chose to join us today. Yeah, it looks like it's getting rainier and rainier as we speak, at least here in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, because it hasn't been wet enough, hasn't been humid enough, hasn't been damp enough lately. That's all it? we need is more rain, Damn, more man, moistness. More uh, more tropical stuff is what we apparently have. But we're going to try to fill the next two hours because you might be bored. You might not be all that interested even if you're what do you do when when the weather is like this at the cabin what do you do do people fight through it and they still go outdoors uh they still sit on the porch they curl up in the fetal position and sleep till one o'clock they basically leave the cabin like get ahead of the traffic and they say we're just we're just going to go back now what do you do you you grew up on a cabin didn't you sure and i would say my on this kind of weather especially what would really frighten me would be if you have a relatively small cabin and like 18 family members 
and extended family members that are all there. That's and you're dangerous. On top of each other, right? And you're you're maybe the shower hasn't worked quite right. Yeah, run out of hot water, and people are starting to stink by Sunday morning. What <laughs> sure. do you do? I'm a big. I was a big puzzle guy when I was up. Oh, really? When I, when I went up to the cabin okay. on a rainy day like this, if I was stuck inside, yeah, sign me up for a puzzle. Mm. I'm a big puzzle. Okay, guy. that might. I I guess I could see that. Uh, were you now when you say puzzle? You talking about the kind of puzzle where there are like eight pieces? Or no. you talking about one there's like 4,000 pieces? I, I like Grand those ones. Canyon or something. Exactly right. I, I like the those. challenging puzzles. Yeah. The ones that take like a couple of days to complete. And then yeah. what do you do? Do you leave the puzzle completed at the cabin? Or, how, I mean, would you leave it there for the, ne- the next time you came? Or, or would you uh, complete it? Or just start it one week and then yeah. make more progress the next? You know, I don't even recall. I know we've left a bunch intact, but yeah. it's almost sacrilegious to just break it apart once it's complete. Well, we will, believe it or not, talk a little World Cup today. In fact, uh, La Roja has just commenced action in the so-called knockout round against Russia. España versus Russia as we speak. And, of course, I think a lot of people are very suspicious given one team is clearly better than the other what putin might have in store for the spaniards but we'll keep an eye we'll keep one eye on that and give you a little bit of a tiki taka update later because a couple of areas in which i like a couple directions in which i would like to go we'll keep you posted as well on what we in the business call we just came up with this term the free agent tracker free agent tracker where um maybe we should have a free agent tracker Soundbite as it pertains to both the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League, because both of our local teams have um, made some signings, and none of them, of course, can be officially announced yet. I don't think. Uh, certainly, the Wolves one cannot be officially announced, but it's like a million of these deals. They're they're coming fast and furious, and I think on the NBA. Uh, by the way, for both the Wild and the Wolves, I wouldn't call any of them transcendent. I wouldn't call any of those. Uh, pending announcements, groundbreaking, but we'll get to them. I think the on a larger level, the more fascinating, the most fascinating aspect of free agency to this point is that there seems to be more and more indication that um, LeBron James' hope of maybe joining forces with a couple of the other biggest names that allegedly were out there might be drying up already. It is drying up as it pertains to Paul George, who apparently announced last night that he will be uh, staying in South Beach. No, not South Beach. That was LeBron a long time ago. So he'll be staying in Oklahoma City. He um, is going to hang with Westbrook, which means that dream of Paul George and LeBron and maybe Kawhi to the Lakers is over. I, I guess you can't say Kawhi and LeBron to the Lakers is over. Although, once again... It's kind of open-ended on Kawhi. I mean, there's a lot of ways that it could go, um, not the least of which might be that the Spurs would be so dissatisfied with the offers that they might consider starting the season with him, even if the uh, situation is rather allegedly tenuous between team, between management and player. Um, Yeah, so, so far a lot of people are basically staying put. And a couple of names that might have been intriguing to Wolves fans that were probably beyond our means anyway, they're staying put as well. Uh, the only guy who's leaving, leaving, that is, I think, uh, might be considered a significant name to this point is DeAndre Jordan, who jilted, who signed with that, who allegedly was going to sign with Dallas once before, jilted them. Uh, the Mavericks were so insulted and so devastated and so annoyed by that decision 
that they signed him again. And this time, apparently, we think it's going to stick on this occasion. So we'll give you the uh, the semi-list on um, exactly that. I am hoping to hear from some folks who attended last night's Eagles slash Jimmy Buffett concert. I don't think the rain started until much later or much, uh, you know, just within the last few hours this morning, right? So I don't know that weather affected the concert. We didn't get much rain Saturday night, did we? No, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of either. There had been, that was in the original forecast. Then I think most of that stayed south of us. So a booth at KFEN.com, if you attended the uh, the concert last night and had any thoughts, because we had a, a, an on, a rather broad discussion on the uh, issue of the Eagles coming to town on, well, really it wasn't so much the Eagles coming to town, but just sort of a referendum on the group that broke out during Friday's program. I am curious to know how that went yesterday. I should say, yes, last uh, night at Target Field, I believe, Without, of course, Glenn Fry, I think I think it's Fry's kid now who does a lot of the vocals. I was told by Bossberg, who came in enraged by some eagle savagery from some listeners, and uh, he was there, by the way, with some interesting tweets from him that uh, we're hoping to flesh out as well. So, uh, kind of a combo platter show. Yes, we will, if you'd like, discuss your Minnesota Twins, who suddenly uh, are tearing the cover off the ball. But their pitching has ceased to exist the last couple of days in a very um, hitter-friendly Wrigley Field. Although I must say that uh, after knocking the ball out of the park several times in the Friday game, the Cubs went with the old, reliable, well-placed single on Saturday. I think they ended up with 20 hits total. Most of those were singles, and they uh, in a game that just ended about 15 minutes ago, the Cubs edged i wanted them to go for when they had 13 i wanted them to go for two they didn't they kicked the extra point and so i think the final was 14 9 if i'm not mistaken it indeed was and um maybe maybe though if nothing else the weekend in is a continues to be a really nice showcase for joe mauer to perhaps join the cubs for the stretch run this year in the postseason if he's willing to trade that uh should say wave that trade clause and the Twins are willing to pay what would still be a fat amount of money on that salary, right? Because if he's if you're making twenty four mil a year, half that would still be twelve. So uh, we'll see if um, maybe Joe would say, you know what, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I know yeah, I'm a Minnesota kid. That <laughs> felt pretty good. Um, but maybe it would be okay to step out a little for just a couple of months. I'm not committed beyond that. He's staying in the Find upper Midwest. what it's like to be in a pennant race. Yeah. I don't even know if the Cubs would be interested in him, but based on the way he's been, uh, way, this is the second straight trip to uh, Wrigley Field in which Maurer has been a dominant offensive player, and uh, he was uh, very helpful again yesterday with a bases-clearing double that got us off to a very good start, but once again didn't mean as any more, any, anything more than it did the uh, the day before. Uh, by the way, can you hit the breaking news sounder for me? Oh right. yeah, let me if I, if I, I was can in the find wrong it. Let's see here. Spot, but I'll. Uh, I usually know where it is. Yeah, it's it's number one is on it? uh, with a bullet is what it is. There it is. La Roja off to an early Tiki Taka one nil lead on just an absolutely brilliant setup. Although was that off the was that off the uh, the the 
Russian defender. Oh, yeah, oh. that was off the Russian it's an own defender's goal. own. Yeah, off his basically right ankle, back of his right ankle, and it uh, then deflects right into the net. España up 1-0 early. Putin ain't going to take that very well. I was going to say, we thought it would be hard for Spain to get out of the stadium if they walk away with a win. What about that guy? Own goal, not good. A couple of baseball observations as I watched, believe it or not, almost the entirety of the Twins-Cubs game at Wrigley Field yesterday afternoon. A couple inescapable thoughts as that game was indeed playing out, and None of them all that helpful if you are a Minnesota Twins fan. Or maybe in another level, it actually would be, these thoughts will be rather liberating. This is Sunday Sermons on The Fan, presented by Metropolitan Ford in Eden Prairie or MetropolitanFord.com. Well, it ain't a sleepy southern town, but the rain is indeed falling here in the Twin Cities of uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, or more specifically, at least outside our window in lovely St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Sunday Sermons, Barrero and Donaldson with you till 11 today. Got a nice email from Dr. Phil from St. Michael. Time to head towards Iowa for a week at Grandma's again. Hard to believe it's been almost a year. She as in the lovely girl in the photo with Dr. Phil, has one question. Will you be talking about bagels today? Always enjoy sermons. Thanks for making the drive much more interesting. No, no bagel conversation today, although I came perilously close to purchasing a bagel today and giving up on ever receiving it. Is that right? Yeah, it was... It Can was you a, elaborate? It, well, it was just a train wreck. You had... Oh, God. You had three people behind the counter, only one to actually prepare the bagels. One was trying to cook them up. One was at the cash register. And you had one attempting to, you know, sort of juggle nine. It wasn't her fault, really. Nine orders at once. And I, I it, it took long enough where I was really close to saying, keep my money. I'm not, I'm not even going to ask for the refund because I'm afraid that if I give you the credit card again, you're going to double charge me. I'll oh, just I'll get oh, out a danger. down five bucks. Sure, but uh, yeah, that was it. But uh, thanks for checking in, Doctor Phil, the, a beautiful little girl with uh, her and a lovely uh, photo that they sent to us, apparently from their uh, home in St. Michael. Hope that trip goes well. Hope the rain does not indeed get in the way. So no, um, that's the extent of the bagel <laughs> conversation. I I continue to live in a world in which I think. The bagel gods are trying to tell me something. Like, just don't the just give up on the concept of it's too apparently complicated to get a crispy bagel on a Sunday morning. And I would argue, it's weird. I would argue, don't let the bagel terrorists well, win. Yeah, I think you were the bigger point. man this morning by yeah. sticking it out. Yeah, I stuck instead it out of walking and, away. Yeah, I think I think you didn't let the bagel terrorists win. So that's big of you. I tried not to. We'll get to free agency signings. Uh, you, if you've not heard. The Wolves have agreed to terms with Derek Rose. Don't panic. It's uh, basically a minimum contract, and it's a one-year deal. I don't, I'm not offended by it at all. Actually, I think it's perfectly fine deal. But we'll get into that whole psychology about um, Derek Rose and how he, 
his association with Tibbs for the Tibbs haters pretty much means that Derrick Rose also has to be hated as well. We'll get into that a little bit later in the broadcast. I'm watching Twins, Cubs, and it's dangerous to, obviously, in baseball, draw grand conclusions from a game or two. But as we're losing, our players are dropping like flies in some considerable heat. And I'm just watching our options, even really from the start of the game, but especially after that. And the Cubs' options, when they got to pull a player, they got to move pieces around, or they got to go to the bullpen, whatever. You, you are reminded just how far, as much as we've been told by Twins Bubbles, we're headed in the right direction, we got the right people in charge, and they're going to build it the right way, and we got a lot of promising young talent. Um, you are reminded of just how absurdly far the Twins have yet to go to be. Not just in the mix in a bad division, but a team you look at and say, well, they could that's a team that could make multiple runs towards perhaps, you know, a a World Series or at least getting close to a World Series. We've got I mean and, and that includes the fact that two of our cornerstone players still are not even there for different reasons. And we have we have no idea at what point they're gonna be back and at what and then what they're going to be on that occasion. It was it kind of hit you like, if, I don't know if it hit Twins fans that way, but you're going, well, that's a real baseball team. That's Now, again, they we understand they have built-in advantages. It's, it's a cash cow. But part of the reason it's become a cash cow and become as popular a place to come and become way, probably too trendy if you're a hardcore old-time Cubs fan is they built that team. Now, they've had money to spend as well, but they've built that team up to a place largely with people they brought, they had in, or they developed, or other players they developed that allowed them to make deals to bring some of those other pieces back. And we're just, we're just meandering, man. We're just, like I said, we're this is this cute little club. And now, this cute little club, by the way, we, we should be double digits out. Cleveland lost again. That's the only reason we're all, we remain only eight out. But forget how many games we're out. We're 35 and 44. We'd be in last place in the American League East. Last place in the American League East. We are, we're not close to being that kind of a, I guess you could say, heavyweight club. So I, I, I found that the most daunting aspect. The, it almost felt like it was inevitable, even when we took the lead, even when Joe got us going that it wasn't going to last, that it was uh, fool's gold. And I assumed, like a lot of people, would be because, well, we, you know, it, the, the the wind's blowing out again, and so um, the ball's going to carry, and we got no chance. As it was, as I said, the Cubs, I don't think they hit a single home run in this game. No, we I don't think the, they did. We hit the only home run in this game. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. Punished that. Yes, he did. That was a well-hit ball, regardless of uh, the win. There was this saving grace, though. Joe Mowers drive for thirty-five. Since we rediscovered this sounder, which I'd forgotten about from several years ago, the drive for thirty-five runs batted in in a year in which Joe through much of the early part of the season, uh, seemed to be on a pace that would indicate he wasn't going to get there. Well, pretty good. He has, 
Well, he start when 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 we when we relocated the the bit. He had twelve runs batted in for the season. Since then, he's driven in another nine. He's almost matched that total in the week and changed since we said this could be. We may have to reprise the 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 the, the drive for thirty five. That includes eight runs batted in the last two days. Is that right? At Wrigley Field. So he's gone from 12 to 21 in the blink of an eye. So we have that going for us. It looks like he's starting to figure it out again because he, when he came back from injury, uh, well, even before injury, he wasn't driving in anything. And by the way, to the folks who always want to email me with, hey, Dan, did you know he's leading off a lot now? First of all, I had no idea. Secondly, the notion that you are it's illegal to drive in a run because you're leading off is stupid. Because how many times in a game are you leading off Once. in an inning? Once, maybe twice depending on what the game how the game is going, but his RBI totals the last couple of days would indicate it's quite conceivable that you're going to be able you're going to have a chance to drive in runs even when you're in the leadoff man. Maybe not as many as you're batting third or fourth. We get that. We end fifth. We understand that part of it. But um, that's been the only saving grace for us. Um, it's kind of de- devastating where your offense has ceased to exist. You you get some offense going as we have the last couple of days, and it gets you nothing because um, the pitching has been as bad. The and this point has been made on the broadcast several times, and it's a good one. It's also refreshing to see professional hitters at the plate, and what a lot of Cub hitters do is they don't swing at bad pitches. Now, the Cub team that I saw, I would dare I say underachieve in the postseason last year, was doing that. I thought they helped out a lot of pitchers, and they've not, as Ron Coomer told us Friday, I think they lead baseball in double-digit runs per you know in a game like 13 times. They've scored 10 or more, but as he says, it's a little misleading in that they've tended to destroy teams where they're already up eight and so they end up getting 11, winning 11 to three instead of nine to three and that really their offense in terms of its consistency has let them down that's part of the reason they've had this sort of in and out season I say in and out again to prove the point in and out for the Cubs means 46 and 35 in and out for us means 35 and 44 which again is a reminder of of how much of a cut above that franchise is and how much further we have to go no matter who we think we have in place no matter how much we think we have the uh, the answers so um even Barrios he didn't get helped out the day before by uh borderline pretty good pitches that a lot of cub hitters said we I we ain't biting on it and that I think uh, largely uh, also had something to do with his performance and you know I watched like I said all that game when you have three, well, actually, I guess four if you count the one Cub player. I think Almora left two. Uh, in his case, I think it was cramps, but that could also be weather related if you're dehydrated. So, in a game in which you got four players knocked out of there, it, it was extraordinarily hot, but it was weird. I mean, you, you, uh, the day before, I mean, the, the, as Molitor pointed out, because Barrios was complaining about the heat and he wasn't quite prepared for the atmosphere and the heat and all that. It's like, come on, man. I mean, it, it it is hot, but it is I think hot for both clubs. I don't think that part of it changes. Dick Bremer asked an interesting question, which I guess I hadn't thought of. He basically said, "We call off games because it's too cold, 
Does baseball make a mistake not considering calling off games when it's that hot? And I I mean, my gut answer would be, no, I don't think they're making a mistake because you associate heat with baseball. And then, in fact, a lot of players like to play when it's warm. They probably don't like that combination of humidity and uh, high temperature. But I can't help but think again about, I mean, the... Uniforms are lot are 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 may are constructed of fabric. I'm not going to call it breathable, but it's got to be a lot better than. I mean, those guys used to wear wool uniforms, didn't they? Oh, for sure, head so, to toe, covering again, I, the whole yeah, arm. I'm not saying I would have loved it. I'm not saying it was ideal, but I, you know, I mean, I guess you, when when you saw, we had a couple players who where you go, oh, there there was a little bit of the, um. Well, in the case of Wilson, who was catching and who had who had to catch a half inning that went four days, then he came to the plate next inning, and I think he walked, and they had to look at him at first base. I mean, the, Molly came out, the trainer came out. He looked like he was going to faint. I was surprised they didn't take him out. They didn't take him out at that point. I think they took him out at the end of that half inning, if I'm not mistaken. Because he was, he ended up on, uh, he ended up on third base. If I'm not, if I, if yes, I, if I recall correctly, and it looked bad. It absolutely looked bad. And you say, and and allegedly he did all the hydrating you're supposed to do. He drank like eight jugs of water the night before, and four more jugs before the game. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I guess. I mean, I will say this: if if a player were to keel over and die, then there would be this huge groundswell of wow. Should we be taking a lot another look at protecting players? We protect them when it's cold. I guess I had never thought of it, but my assumption was that you got a lot of ways to protect yourself, protect yourself better under those conditions than you ever used to be able to do it. Uh, water everywhere. Now apparently we don't have air I guess Wrigley doesn't have Dick was saying we got like these air conditioning boxes or something that you can get close to at Target Field or near. Uh, to get yourself cooler in the dugout, or maybe down down the the stairs. I'm oh, not sure. exactly sure down where. The tunnel. And apparently, Wrigley doesn't have that. I don't know. But um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a very very odd atmosphere yesterday at Wrigley, and I think the forecast is for much the same today. I'm not sure. We'll double check. Yeah, and I think if anybody can listen to the argument that there is an existing condition where it's too hot to play a baseball game, yeah, right. I think it's Minnesotans because we've obviously unfortunately had the history with Corey Stringer around here. Yeah. We know we yeah. know what right. kind of dangers over, you know, humid days and over excessively hot days can can bring to the table. So if any fan base is willing to listen to that type of argument, it could be Minnesotans. It was uh it was yeah, it, it's definitely been moist. It's definitely been hot and um I'm not buying. I mean, they keep th- they kept showing that thermometer that says like 120 degrees on the field. Well, it was a thermometer in the sun. Doesn't that kind of doesn't that sort of bake the 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 temperature a little bit? I, I don't I don't I don't I don't think that's a true. I'll be glad to defer to the to the Doppler heads in the crowd, but I don't think that's a sure way to get temp. No, is it? No, I don't think so either. It kind of I mean, exaggerates it, when it's all right there on the surface. It was hot. And absolutely no question about uh, about that. And uh, the uh, Cubs will go for the sweep today. Wrigley has been invaded. I mean, there's no question. The uh, there's Twins fans pretty much everywhere, just as uh, folks have documented and reported. The last couple of days, and why wouldn't there be? I mean, that's uh, it's a great opportunity, as I said, um, to to 
almost I think it's probably it's my guess is it's easier to live with the with with the twins mediocrity on the road because you 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 think of it as it's it's a it's a journey it's a road trip and it's fun and we're going to another ballpark and we're going to Wrigley and we're going to a city where there are a million things we can do before and after the game so you could oddly live with how bad the twins are or how mediocre they are at this point when they're playing there, I think more so than the, you, you go to a game at Target Field, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. You can make a trip out of it. It's a beautiful thing. Derek Rose is returning to the Timberwolves. Should Wolves fans mutiny? Should they revolt? We'll discuss next. Friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. This is Sunday Sermons with Dan Barrero on the fan. Can I get an amen? Excuse me, kind human. Hey, that's my phone. I see that it is not on the Sprint network. You should switch to Sprint ASAP and get four lines of Unlimited for $25 per month per line with a fifth line free. It is an excellent deal that will be gone as of July 12th. Wow, I'd better get over to Sprint then. You are displaying excellent judgment. And for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, you can get 50% off a Samsung Galaxy S9 with Sprint Flex Lease. Galaxy S9 includes Samsung's best camera ever with super slow-mo and advanced low-light photo taking. I'm definitely switching to Sprint. It is going, going, gone as of July 12th. Visit your nearby Sprint store, Sprint.com slash GS9, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Savings until 630-19, then $60 a month for line 1, $40 a month for line 2, and $30 a month for lines 3 through 5. Without a pay speed maximums, use rules and restrictions apply. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Galaxy S9, 60-50 a month after 60-50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. With approved credit, 18-month lease and new line of service. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Coverage and offer not available everywhere or for discounted phones. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Free agent nuggets for you, both from the NHL and the NBA. Your Minnesota Wild have been uh, busy. Free agency officially opening at um, 11 o'clock on Sunday. But all kinds of reports already in. Wild will sign Dallas Stars defenseman Greg Patteron, as was reported by Russo in The Athletic on Thursday. Supposed to be a three-year deal worth about a little less than seven mil, two and a quarter million annual cap hit. We apparently are also having a very uh, positive conversations with San Jose Shark Center Eric. I think it's pronounced Fear, and that would be a one-year, one million dollar contract. We'll also we will sign Colorado Lanch goalie Andrew Hammond to a two-way contract to compete with Alex Stalock for the Wild backup job. Um, by the way, uh, we Louie and I got into this briefly last Tuesday. I'm wondering if there's too much of an assumption that Dubnik is good. Dubs is going to be our guy again this uh, upcoming season. I don't know. I mean, you have to have an alternative. I still am left with the feeling that this general manager has got big intentions in terms of uh, thinking big, thinking on some very, very big news and uh, big levels, I guess. And I don't know. I mean, Dubes is a guy we've had on for years. A great guy to talk to. He's had he's basically saved one regular season. Has been a very good regular season goalie. And you know, is there such a thing as finding a better playoff goalie? I don't know. But I, to me, all you know, everything should be on the table for this club at this particular juncture. That's where we are on your Minnesota Wild. 
Let me also update you on free agency in general, the National Basketball Association, before we get specifically uh, to the Wolves. Um, Trevor Ariza going to Arizona, a one-year $15 million contract. The Suns apparently have successfully convinced Ariza, who I guess I forgot this, in the Game 7 loss to Golden State Western Conference Finals, 0 for 12 from the field, 0 for 9 from 3. I don't know if that meant Houston was less interested in, in, in keeping him or more that they clearly couldn't give him that kind of money and Ariza was willing to take the, the dough in this particular case. Gerald Green, a guy the Wolves once had, but who had developed into a meaningful or reasonable shooter, ended up with the Houston Rockets. We probably missed an opportunity with him, and uh, we're still we're going to continue to miss that opportunity because he's going to stay with the Rockets. Very reasonable price, one-year deal at $2.4 bucks. I'm assuming the Wolves could have given him that kind of deal easily, maybe even more. But I'm also assuming that Green is saying, why mess with, other than, I guess, payday, why mess with finding a niche with a team that's going to be contending, it appears, for a number of years. Um, Rudy Gay is returning to the Spurs. I mentioned earlier DeAndre Jordan is going to go to the Dallas Mavericks. Chris Paul says he's going to remain with the Rockets. Not huge news there. It was considered huge news that Paul George is going to stay with the Thunder, which means that their so-called Big Three, which failed miserably in the postseason last year, is going to be back together for another try, right? Because I don't think Westbrook's going anywhere, and Carmelo Anthony already, the guy who was all about winning, um, uh, didn't need the money. He took the money, $20 million for this upcoming season. Will Barton will stay with the Denver Nuggets. That's the kind of player that uh, Wolves fans were dreaming of but that was well past our capacity on the deal. It's the deal is four years, upwards of $50 million. Now, I don't. I have not seen anything on Wayne Ellington, but the betting money last night is that he expected to remain with Miami, exactly the kind of shooter that would be helpful to the Wolves. He set a heat record with 227 three-pointers last season. So if we get anything on him uh, to update, you will let you know. And that's the Wayne Ellington that we drafted. That's here, correct. correct? That's yeah. absolutely right. And uh, he is has not. I don't think there's any uh, media outlet that is reporting he's returning to Miami. He is expected to return to Miami. Um, so a lot of this, of course, then gets back to the intrigue on LeBron. All those grand plans of Paul George and LeBron going to L.A., for example, it ain't going to be Paul George. Could it still be Kawhi Leonard? Yes. Um, I have. I'm hearing more people say they wouldn't be all that surprised now if LeBron stays in Cleveland, and then you get back to well, what will what will what will Cleveland be able to do? It's hard to believe that the status quo would would work in Cleveland. They got to be way over the cap in terms of how they improve uh, the situation there. So, are LeBron's options unless he's just willing to? Well, I guess Philly is always the one that's on the table. Um, although Philly's very promising, and you could say they're awfully young to still make a run, but you could also argue, well, that's why you bring LeBron in. He's that piece that 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 brings that mature face to a team that could use some of that, that's very talented but still very, very youthful. Um, I'm on record. I, I, I would hate, and I don't think this is going to happen. I don't even think there's much speculation about this. I had no interest in LeBron going to Golden State. I had no interest in LeBron going to Houston. 
Um, I guess there would be some intrigue if he went to Boston because of the belief that then Irving would probably have to move, and that might change a little bit of balance of power. Um, to Philly, I think, would be pretty interesting for the reasons that we just laid out there. There are a couple of Eastern teams, pretty much anybody in the East that's been good, he probably makes a contender close to it. But, uh, you know, I'm firmly in the group that says don't join. I'd rather you not join a super team for the good of the league. You you can do whatever you want to do, but that trend I don't think is at all uh, necessarily helpful. That's all preamble, of course, too. Derek Rose re-signing with your Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, it's a one-year deal, folks, before you panic. It's, I think, about $2.3 million and change. And, I, you know, on the one level, I understand some of the concern is, well, but if you get him, Tibbs is liable to play him more than he should at the expense of someone else that needs to play. Well... I got to tell you, I I'm not sure the 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 names that are most intriguing are going pretty fast, and so I don't know who you're referring to, you know. Unless the Wolves get in the trade market, I'm not sure who you're referring to. And as a at that kind of money for one year, I got no problem with it. I I I think I went in as skeptical about Derrick Rose as everybody else. When they signed him. Yet, the guy I saw competed. And I know, again, if you hate Tibbs, you're not allowed, you're almost not allowed to acknowledge that possibility because you're all in on everything Tibbs does is wrong. And yet, your eye test should be well, what did we see? We saw a guy who competed. Now, he's not a great three point shooter at all, he doesn't solve that issue. You still have to hope in the end that you can keep belly. Or if you can't keep Belly, you can find somebody else. But, I, you know, I'm not as bent out of shape that Jamal Crawford is gone. The problem you get into is, even without him being there, you can't necessarily replace his money because the Wolves are well over the cap. But I thought Rose competed a lot better on the defensive end than Crawford. He's nowhere near as explosive a shooter. But Crawford's not a great shooter. He's a streak shooter. And he kills you defensively. Kills you. I like Rose driving to the basket better than Jamal Crawford. Now, the question on Rose will simply be, can his body hold up? If you end up playing him 15 minutes a game, can he hold up for 82? That's a fair concern. But at that price, I I, I, I don't find it all that insulting or irritating. Now, if the minutes... For some people, is this a Tyus Jones deal? And if the minutes come at... The expense of Tyus Jones. Well, they may come at the expense of Tyus Jones. I, I I don't know about that. A lot depends on what else you have at the uh, uh, at in the back court. What your other options may end up being, or at least in the three positions, uh, the three swing positions. You know, point, off guard, and small forward. But I I wouldn't panic. I'd be more concerned at what. Are you really going to end up with a a shooter? Are we really going to end up with the same people? What I'm saying is. Getting Rose is not going to be the thing that prevents you from getting somebody else at that price. It's just not It's not an either-or. As much as you want it to be an either-or, it's not going to be an either-or. And in terms of playing time, let's see what else they get. As a guy you can mix in who obviously is motivated to be here and wasn't, wasn't like, well, 
we overcompensated for a good stretch late and locked in on Derrick Rose for five years or four years at even $4 million per. Even a Jamal Crawford kind of a deal. It's a one-year, basically a minimum deal. So to that extent, I, I, I don't I don't think this has to be the uh, the end of the universe, the yeah, end of the world. If you're in the camp that's against this Derrick Rose signing, I think you nailed it. I think it's the Tyus Jones people. It's the people that want to see what Tyus Jones can develop into because obviously he's taken a good step in the right direction over the last few years. But it's not going to be the people that saw what Derrick Rose brought to the table in the in the playoffs yes. and down the stretch in those fifteen to twenty minutes because he was fantastic. I thought. Well, he 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 had he was in and out. I mean, he had some stretches where he's saying calm down a little bit. He was trying too hard to do too much. But he's, as I said, I mean, what we're looking for. He competed on the defensive end better than Wiggins did. I mean, he he definitely was trying to adhere to whatever the defensive principles were. And he had stretches where offensively he was giving a little, giving them a little bit of a spark, and we clearly need some offense off the bench. More than anything, I understand we need shooting, but we also need some defensive ability as well. And he's never, I don't know that he's, since he got hurt, he's been known to be a great defender. I thought, I was pleasantly surprised with what he offered. Now, a lot of people said, well, that's just him working for the contract. Maybe, but the payoff wasn't this huge you know, rainbow uh, of money at the end of the uh, uh, the end of the day. It was basically a a minimum contract as well. Let's take a heat and baseball related excessive heat and baseball related calls. We wrap up the first hour. Kevin is checking in from Bemidji, listening on the Bun. Kevin, you're on the fan. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, say, I kind of caught the very end of the uh, conversation. You guys were talking about the heat. I yeah. believe at Wrigley Field. Um, well, I grew up in I just I grew up in the East St. Louis area and went to quite a few St. Louis games in the in the mid '80s. And uh, I just want to say, like the heat and heat stroke, it's it's a very real thing and very dangerous. And back then, you know, St. Louis had astroturf. And yes, remember it well. Yeah, they had they had thermometers on the field where it would get 125 degrees. And um, I know Whitey Herzog talked about you know the having buckets of ice water. Guys' cleats are actually melting, but um. We would go to like double headers back then during the day when sure. they had uh you know real double headers yeah. and sit in the bleachers and I saw several people you know over the years uh, get taken out because of heat strokes so several players it's a real dangerous you, thing especially you know in the Midwest this time of year you talking about players or fans taken out uh fans yeah yeah fans for sure and players I, I th- uh, thanks for the phone call I I just assumed that. Given how much more we know about dehydration, and given that I think we're we've graduated well past that stupid stage where wanting water was a sign that you were a wimp, that we would be a lot more prepared. Now, maybe again, depending on your circumstance and how long you're, and again, if you're a catcher, especially the way Twins pitchers were hurling, I mean, I I, I fully would would accept the possibility if you got a guy who who seems a little overweight. As our catcher does, Wilson, um, that you're going that that there's a likelihood, the possibility, maybe even a likelihood that yeah, you are close to passing out under those kinds of conditions. But the, I mean, there the question is: Is it the heat, or was it the Twins pitchers that were was causing you to perhaps consider fainting? I don't know. It's a very, I guess that would be kind of an uh, an even even call. Uh, more phone calls in the second hour. Looking for help on uh, an Eagles concert review or two, or maybe you didn't go to see the Eagles. Maybe you went to see who was the other act? Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett last night. Uh, what the, what that might have been like for you? Because I know the prices were uh, not bargain basement.
Uh, it was a rather expensive evening, is what I was told, even if you wanted to just have standing room. 800-320-5326 or 651-989-5326. The Bradshaw and Brian inbox is wide open. Booth, booth at kfan.com. We may also explore the controversial subject of illegal U-turns before this program is done. Stay tuned. This is Sunday Sermons on the Fan, presented by Metropolitan Ford in Eden Prairie or MetropolitanFord.com. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, and you will atone. Of Sunday sermons, Dan Barrero, Ryan Donaldson, until eleven o'clock today. No cake show today. Garzy has the morning slash afternoon off. We, I think, will be back together on Bumper to Bumper tomorrow. John Athletic will join with his own evaluation of the uh, a free agency as it pertains, especially to the NBA draft. And we are also negotiating with John Bream, longtime uh, music critic for. My former newspaper, the Star Tribune. There's a lot to catch up with uh, on the music scene locally, and uh, we're hoping to do that on Monday with Bream. He was at uh, apparently Chaka Khan gave a rather uninspired performance at the zoo, which oh, no. is uh, unfortunate to hear as a big Chaka guy. And uh, that was, I believe, I don't know if that was Friday night or Thursday night. In any case, it was uh, sometime over the weekend. And I'm assuming Bream was at the concert last night. There's a lot to get to regarding re-release of a bunch of Prince stuff as well. So we hope to include him in the mix on Monday's program. Booth at KFAN.com is the Bradshaw and Brian inbox. If you have emails or uh, comments you'd like to get to regarding anything we've discussed during the first hour of the broadcast, Eagles concert reviews, i got a couple people on that. And we also have uh, an NBA call to get to as well. I do want to mention one other baseball nugget. We talked some twins in the first hour of the program for the second time in three months, because today is July 1. So for the second time in, in three months, strikeouts exceeded hits in the major league uh, in Major League Baseball. That is a deviation that had never occurred in the history of this game before this year. There were 6,776 strikeouts and 6,640 hits in June, according to Elias. That leaves the season, uh, numbers are meaningless, I guess, but the point is now this is the uh, strikeouts at topped hits in a full month for the first time in April. And, um, you know, it's it's a fascinating deal because clearly, um, I mean, you can't decree, you can't change the rules, to try to influence an outcome here, I don't think. You, you you have to let patterns play out a little bit organically. That said, it is so ironic to me that in a game, for so long with the what the, 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 the seam heads, the big analytic seam head guys especially, 
were so condescending and patronizing about how overrated runs batted in were, especially, and even home runs, that the important stat in baseball was on-base percentage and getting on base, etc., etc. And apparently either they've changed their tune or nobody's listening because clearly the trend has been to let's try to hit the ball out of the ballpark and we can live with the strikeouts if you're able to hit the ball out of the ballpark at the rate that we are happy with. And the result is, I guess, a form of baseball that is even more unwatchable, I think. I mean, if you're seeing... Think about it. I mean, you're 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 if you're seeing more strikeouts, there's nothing fascinating about a strikeout other than I guess if your pitcher is blowing away the opposing hitter in a really good matchup in a clutch situation, that's exciting for your team and for you and that's cool. But you want to see action, right? You want to see men on base, you want to see base runners, you want to see base hits, you want to see presumably singles or doubles and triples more than singles, I get that, but it's just so interesting that a game that's seemingly dictated more and more by what gives us the best chance to win. Are the analytics people saying you now have the best chance to win by living with that high strikeout rate just in case you're able to hit the ball, to lift the ball, launch angle out of the park? Because it, it, it seems counterintuitive to me, but that apparently is where we are and we're at a place we have literally, and this is hard to believe in baseball, Never been in the history of Major League Baseball, and now it's happened for two conse- or not two consecutive months, but two months in the same season. Yeah, that's an insane stat. I hadn't heard that before. Very interesting. And what's even more insane or absurd to me is that they were striking out more than hitting without the help of Byron Buxton or Miguel Sano for at least half the month. That's true. But they could have brought down that average a bunch. Uh, well, yeah. Well, no, they would be there'd be even more strikeouts. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what yeah. I meant to say. Yeah, that's a very that's outstanding. I mean it. it as bad as those numbers look, think how bad they would have been exactly. with Sano and Buxton. It wouldn't have even been close. It would, it would have even been uh, more dramatic. How did Russia tie Spain? I missed the tying goal. Oh, there was a... Was it controversial? Was, it was either a handball or a penalty oh. uh, in the in the box, and then so Russia guy... So it was a guy, legit, legit goal? Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a penalty kick Man, in the box. La Roja. Russia guy did not miss. Struggling a little bit? I haven't watched enough of it. I need my soccer experts to let me know. If this is a legitimate one-one, or if Spain's kind of mailing it in, Spain's or... been dominating possession from they, what I've seen. Okay, they just haven't been able to do anything with it. Correct. That's they, unfortunate. Uh, they have the own goal. That, yes, that, that's, that's what true. That got them on the board. And it was Russia an own goal, tied it although up. it was the kind of own goal where it was because of a a scoring threat. Yes, it was part. a good play by so Spain. So it was a legitimate. I don't think they necessarily have to apologize for that goal for that reason. I'm with you on that. I, I'll give you the other thing on uh, on. Uh, La Roja, I think that we that that um, makes that this team, if they can, you know, take care of business today, in really good position to win the cup, is they are their half of the draw does not include Brazil, which is sort of the odds-on favorite at this point, France or Belgium, another team that is a lot of people saying has a really good chance to win. Uh, they're on the other side of the draw by on the basis of the fact that they went to the top of their uh, group. So uh, we'll, we may have some more uh, World Cup analytics before this program is indeed done. 800-320-5326 or 651-989-5326. Either of those numbers will work. We've got calls from Kevin and Omar, which we're going to get to in a minute. Um, the U-turn, the illegal U-turn, controversial subject. And it's just it's just the luck of the draw how you can go for a while and not be 
subjected to some idiot attempting to to do a panicky U-turn in front of you. But I've had three of them just within the last week. And here's my question to you. I'm trying to see if I can understand. I mean, we've all been there to where we're tempted, right? We're all been to the place where we go, I, I missed the turn. I'm so busy chatting on the phone, which I probably shouldn't be on anyway, uh, that I missed the turnoff. What am I doing? Where do I think I'm going? Or you have a habit of usually you take one route and you're so conditioned for that that you forget that, no, you're actually going someplace else. And you go, oh, damn it, now i got to go back. But especially when it's in an urban area, and when I say urban, I mean an area where within a block usually, maybe two, maybe three, in a car, not on a bike, you're going to be able to turn back or to make a couple of turns, turn right, turn left, and then turn left again to get you back in the other direction. Within, in no time, what is it that possesses people to panic to such a degree that they go, my God, if I don't do this illegal U-turn, I may disappear from civilization. I will never recover. I'll never get a chance to get back to where I was going to, wanted to get to for several days, maybe ever. I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Why is that so difficult for people? It is unbelievable. It's amazing. And I live downtown, so I deal with it all the time. It ain't like you got to go to mile no. marker 167 to make your turn. You go from 1st Street to 2nd Street. Yes. It takes 30 seconds. If you're on a I understand if you're in some desolate highway where there's an exit every 62 miles where you might be, my God, I'm, do, I'm done. I'm going to die before I'm able to turn around. But in urban areas where there's turns everywhere, there's opportunities to, 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 to right your wrong everywhere, why do people get that panicky? It's bizarre to me. It truly is. It's just like, and why are they in such a hurry? It doesn't make it, it's like they don't check either. They don't look over their left shoulder because oftentimes no, no. they'll be looking for a parking spot on the right. They'll pull up yeah. and they'll say, oh, there's one on the left. Take one, you know, take one of those illegal U-turns with, with traffic incoming behind yeah, them. That's it. They don't look. Uh, emailer Don, it seems like... We should be able to answer your question about analytics by asking if as many runs are being scored despite the huge number of strikeouts. Fair point. Uh, and somebody, I'm sure, has those numbers. Are we scoring more runs than ever? Is that uh, possible? But then, again, you can't help but wonder if you have, do, analytically speaking, um, more base runners, I would think, over a period of time, would give you more chance to score uh, more often as well. I don't know. I would say that if you're running baseball, because I don't think this is the perception of this season, for example. I don't think is if you go back to the the you know the steroid years and when Sosa and McGuire were racing towards 100 home runs that summer, that glorious summer, we all chronicled it. I, I, I me included, and for the uh, for the newspaper. It was almost like, well, there was, we didn't even care how many strikeouts were because there was just sense that every time you turn around, there was another home run. And it was cool and it was fun, whatever. Uh, even if we're hitting more home runs now than we were then, I, I don't sense anybody's looking at it as like, wow, I don't care about anything else. This is so much fun watching nine home runs a game. It doesn't make any difference. And by the way, the Twins, I think, if in terms of home runs, we've kind of been left behind, right? I don't think we've hit a lot of round trippers. No, not, not uh, to my knowledge. This, this season, even with the wind blowing out, although we had one more than the. Than the Cubs did yesterday. The Cubs had a bunch of uh, singles as well. Um, 
So those are the subjects on the table right now. Let's get to a couple of phone calls, starting with a St. Paul call, uh, call. Omar, you're on the fan. Hello. Oh, hey, Dan. I uh, just wanted to touch back on the NBA yes. and free agency. It's so funny with the uh, just breathless, breathless, breathless coverage of the finals and, and what was going to happen with LeBron that the key for teams having success and turning it around to me, at least as far as an overall field, the playoff field, the Utahs, you know, those teams, it seems like adding smaller pieces and getting good key guys, even if they were seniors in the draft, was what improved teams more. And re-signing pieces like a Derrick Rose were uh, the, the moves that actually helped teams more. And I think you've seen that with the start of free agency. I wanted to kind of bring it back to see what your thoughts were. Is it about the big splash and getting that star, or are you seeing that these teams that the smaller pieces are probably the ones that are going to make, make moves? Well, I'll, it's a, it's uh, a, a thanks for the call. It's a fair point. Um, and, and in the case of the Wolves, it is the smaller moves. I mean, the star players are set. I think there's much question about uh, about that. But the at this point, the challenge, there's two challenges for the Wolves, obviously. It's attempting to e- extract more out of Andrew Wiggins, to make more people feel that he can become worthy of the contract that he signed. That's a obviously a very, very big uh, part of it. It's Towns becoming a much better defender and, frankly, a better passer as well, um, more consistent in that regard. That's a big uh, deal in terms of the players you have. But there is also the the need to build your bench. And the best way, frankly, you can do that, the most cost-effective way, is to make a, a good draft selection or a couple of good draft selection over years. And you'd like to think that the Wolves, I mean, Justin Patton at this point, I think, has got to be a question mark just in the basis of his injuries. Um, and now they're already saying he's he's a little bit behind schedule again. So what's realistic to expect on him? Probably not all that much. So we got the two people that we added this year, right? Uh, Bates uh, Diop and the, uh, who's the other? Josh uh, Okogie. Josh Okogie that... You know, as much as we say, well, Tibbs doesn't like to play young guys, this might be a year where he's he's not going to have a choice. And that's the way you occasionally have to do this. It, it can't always be going out and, and adding the big, splashy free agent or even the middle-of-the-road free agent. It's legal to make a good draft choice or to make a couple of good uh, draft choices. We also have to do a better job of, I mean, if you look at the people that we've added, who's the center that we just let go of? We, uh, Cole Aldrich. Uh, Cole Aldrich, I mean, was here for nothing, for no apparent reason that anybody can see. Now, I know you got to fill out your roster, and sometimes you add players who you're going to use when you have significant injury, but presumably you're going to add guys who occasionally you feel like have a chance to be a part of, of, of the solution. Tibbs as a GM, I think, has failed in that regard. Too often with the people he has added where you go, well, there's there seems to be no niche for, for some of these guys. So... Um. Yeah it it doesn't always have to be the name. It has to sometimes be the guy who you identify as good and ends up being a name because you did a good job identifying talent and identifying where he could fit in to what you need. And then two years later, people go, "God, he's a good player." Well, he wasn't maybe always viewed that way. If he's a a, a bench player, he he became viewed that way because you at you you analyzed him, you rated him, you you took a good look at him. And you nurtured him and developed him as well, which is a, which is another big uh, 
uh, part of the deal. Let's take a call next from uh, Kevin, Minneapolis. You were at the Eagles concert last night, is that correct? Yes, it's Tubby from Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Well, what's on your mind? Uh, I was at the Eagles concert. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I've seen a lot of shows. I'm putting it in top three. Really? Yeah. So uh, even without uh, without Fry, obviously without Glenn Fry, um, how different was the, would you say, was the band sound without him? Uh, how different? It's more like how it sounded just like you're listening to the album. Really? Gill, uh, and um, sings most or all of the songs that Glenn Fry used to sing. And Vince Gill can also shred the guitar. He's an, he's an unbelievable musician. Don Henley jumping back and forth between the drums. Yeah. Joe Walsh getting funky. They had a horn section. Mm. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And, and Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, uh, does some, so he did some of the vocals. Vince Gill did some of them as well, the ones that, that we don't necessarily associate with Henley. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they did They did all of them, I think. There's one other, uh, I can't remember his name, but they, they sing them, and, and um, Glenn Fry's son looks, and sounds exactly wow. like his dad. Really? Wow. He played, they tell me the Eagles played for about two and a half hours, is that right? It was fantastic. How was Buffett? I think they were like three minutes short, they said, of two and a half hours. Okay. How was, um, Bu- how was Buffett? I only saw the last two songs. Uh, my friend mm. and I got two tickets for uh, $80 on the street, so yeah. I don't have a, really a Buffett. Thank you for the report. I appreciate that. Uh, emailer Jeff who was at the concert last night, has a... He said that he enjoyed the concert immensely. Uh, Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, sounds eerily like his father. Vince Gill, also outstanding. The other core members of the group seem to struggle keeping up with Vince and or Deacon at times, and it was obvious that their voices just ain't the same, which is understandable at this point in their uh, careers. I do have an, a concert etiquette question. There were three people in front of us that sat during Buffett However, once the Eagles took the stage, these three people decided to stand, and after about 30 minutes of seeing their backsides and not the band members, I chose to say something to them. There were people on one side of us and behind us that were hollering to them to sit down but chose to ignore the request. Well, I proceeded to have a discussion with the gentleman and both ladies. You would have thought I had started World War III. Well, from that point on, I was harassed by the gentleman and four different times was threatened by him, informing me that he was going to follow me out of the stadium and kick my ass. My wife and I eventually left our seats and watched the remainder of the concert from the concourse. Were, was I out of line, or would other people do the same thing? Well, my, my official policy on this is a guy who does not go to anywhere near as many concerts as I once did, is that I, too, get exasperated by people who decide, no matter what is happening around them, they're going to stand, but that ultimately they got a right to stand. I would rather they didn't. I would rather you pick and choose. I would rather you say, well, what's going on around me? Let me have some awareness. And if if most people are standing, then I'm going to I'll get up there too. But if most people in it maybe take making sort of an implied pact or implicit pact are going, you know, right now it's kind of cool just sitting here and grooving on the music and and relaxing and you know, everyone else is doing that and we're still enjoying the film or the music without necessarily getting up. To me, that's all the better. I just don't think you can win um, at a concert, I think, 
telling people how they're supposed to enjoy that concert. You know, you're almost back to get to a suite or don't go to don't go to it or understand that. And he didn't really, I don't think, say where he was. You know, uh, uh, in, in terms of how close he was, it was on the on the floor or on the field rather, or up higher, whatever the case may be. I just, I just not sure you you can win. What's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, you just have to half expect it when you go to a concert. People like to stand because they like to get up and dance a little bit. I'm with you though that I would ask them to have a little bit better awareness. But I think going into concerts, you have to kind of half expect it from the crowd. But it's very different than going to a sporting event. If you're at a sporting event and everybody's sitting around you, I think you got to sit around you. Otherwise, you're just a chum alone. Um, you know, the part where you got somebody who's a- a- angry enough that he's going to follow me out of the stadium, that seems a bit excessive. Doesn't give you the right to do that. No, I think that'd be a little bit of an overreaction. I don't know how strong the, the, the emailer Jeff came on. He doesn't sound like he's a guy who's going to come on real strong. It sounds like he was just trying to uh, carry on a conversation. But, I mean, you know, the... <laughs> it's you it's it, it, the the concert experience has always been uh fraught with the possibility of disaster i mean in in large measure because booze is available let's be honest i mean that's a lot of it it's the same that's the same as at games uh but i think even more so at a concert because concerts are viewed by a lot of people is more distinctive than going to another ball game especially if the game is baseball I mean, people still might booze it up, but a concert, a lot of people, that's the only way they're going to enjoy the concert. And so we've had, I've had relatives who were in a situation where the people behind them got so drunk, especially one person, that she ends up, this woman falls forward onto one of my relatives, knocks her to the ground, not on purpose, but just, you know, staggers and so drunk and is rather unrepentant because she doesn't even know what city she's in and and so it obviously that's the sort of thing that abs- that ruins the concert it's hard to come back from that you've been you've been injured by some idiot who drinks so much that he f- she falls over forward into you um so again i mean that's it 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 you'd like to think we could all sort of be in a place where everybody could do it in a way where everybody gets to enjoy it, but I, it's not the opera. It's hard to tell people, even it's the eagle, even though it's the Eagles. It's 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 easy listening. You know, it's not exactly uh, hardcore rock and roll. But people say, "I've been waiting for this concert forever. I want to stand." I, you know, it's. I'd rather they didn't, but I don't know what you're, you're going to be able to do. Are we late? Yeah, we got to go. Caught up. Let's get caught up. We got a plenty more to get to. We got a uh, uh, tiki taka World Cup update to discuss um i'm still looking for some help on the u-turns oh here we go um somebody's trying to tell us that u-turns are legal in minnesota they're not legal where there's a sign that says they're illegal correct that's what i'm talking there's a big distinction i i I see those signs right i'm not hallucinating those signs and it it basically has the u-turn symbol with a a, a mark through it that would indicate those (laughs) red circle x illegal correct this is Sunday Sermons on the Fan, presented by Metropolitan Ford in Eden Prairie or MetropolitanFord.com.
Give me another example of a U-turn that whether there's a sign that says it's illegal or not, it's illegal. U-turns are illegal in any place where they will impede traffic flow. And in this case, the the latest example for me is if you're coming off of uh, 394 Xenia Park Place, heading towards our place, Ryan Donaldson, and you take the first opportunity to take a left to, to end up going behind our two buildings. Sure. Um, there's two lanes for that. There are two arrow lanes, okay? And this Chumbalone was in the left arrow lane, which meant he was attempting to make a U-turn with another lane next to him on his left that was attempting to take a left to go straight through that road onto the, 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 the whatever, I don't know what that road is called. So if you're to on the other side of him, of, uh, if you're on the other side of that traffic pattern, then you're, he basically came to a stop because he wanted to turn left and had to wait for the cars that were to his left to go ahead and complete their turn. I see it all the time in that and, intersection. And so whether there's a sign up there or not, that's illegal as hell. And so there's, I, I don't, I don't uh, again, in an area where you go, you have no chance to, to fix your mistake for months or for days or for hours. I get it, but... Man, oh man. And again, everybody cheats, even if they don't want to admit it, if there's no traffic. They go, well, I'm not bot. You know what? I shouldn't do it, but there's nobody around. So I'm going to do the U turn. Okay. But when you're doing it in a busy traffic location, you still don't care. That's the part where it gets a little bit. Uh a little bit strange to me. Emailer Steve out of uh, River Falls has been listening for years, loyal listener, and we appreciate his research. He's got some uh, run scored totals per team in the in MLB since 2008 using ESPN's website as the source. 2008, the average for the season was 753 runs. It then fell just about every year to a low of 659 in 2014. Been back in the rise since then to 753 in the 2017 season. 2018 is on pace for 713, so it would go back the other way. But he mentions, I wouldn't be surprised if the very late spring put a dent in the numbers at the start of the season. P.S. I think you ought to try town ball. Games get done in under 230 most of the time. The admission and concessions are very low price. You're close to the action. There's a lot more base running going on because home runs are uh, scarcer. Town ball, you say. Well, a lot of people swear by it. A lot of people love it. See, I, the time of game yesterday doesn't that's not a time of game that bothers me because that's not a function of how slow people are it's just a function of the pitchers are awful and it's just one of those you do want to put it in the category of one of those days where the hitters are just dominating and balls are are, are falling into the right spot because a lot of the balls the, twi- the cubs hit were not rockets but they were well placed um which gets back to the whole discussion again about the shifts and if you end up uh, the shift ends up working against you as much as it does help you but um so, you know, yeah, if you got 23 runs scored in a game, I figure it's going to take a while to play that sort of game. The unfortunate part for the players is it came in a day that was extraordinarily warm as well. 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. Um, looks like, according to Brian in Owatonna, Vegas is expecting a ridiculous game today. The over-under came out in 11 and a half. Cubs projected run total is 6.57. If you like runs, this could be the game to watch today. could be a four-hour game. That's about as as analytical as it gets for me. I assume that means more heat, more humidity, and more wind. Generally, if you get heat in Chicago, it's a southerly breeze. 
And along the lake, it can get breezier often than it might be inland. And if it's a southerly breeze, that means it's going to be blowing out to Waveland Avenue in left and maybe even uh, Sheffield Avenue towards right. But it could be straight out to left. And so all balls you hit, if you get up in the jet stream, have a good chance of at least reaching the warning track. And in some case, even if it's a pop-up, and in some cases, depending on how high you get it in the jet stream, then to be to going out of the park. The grand slam by Addison Russell was a was a classic Wrigley Field home run Friday, in that it was reasonably it was a bad pitch, it was reasonably hit, but it's an out. It's a sacrifice fly. Although I don't even know if there were two outs. Maybe it was the end of the inning uh, on a normal day, and it just it got up. It was very high. And it ended up hitting the top of the new scoreboard in left field at Wrigley Field. Well, if I'm at the Vegas Sportsbook right now, and that's the over-under, I'm going under today. John Lester's on the mound for the Cubs. He's been brilliant this year. 10-2 and two with a two one eight ERA. I don't think the Twins are even going to score a run, much well, less get across second base. If you if you look at these projected run totals, most of the runs are supposed to be scored by the Cubs. Oh, okay. Well, that it's, makes sense. It's almost seven, the projected run total for the Cubs, of the 11 that's out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know how you look at the Twins at this point. They're not an offensive juggernaut by any means. They've uh, hit the ball better. Well, actually, you can't say they. Really, Maurer really has been the main guy who's hit the ball better. He's, he's pretty much driven in all of our runs, uh, uh, save one, I think, but um, or one or two. So, uh, yeah, I, I it, did you see? Have you checked the weather forecast? Double check the weather forecast for Chicago. Well, for Chicago, okay, we'll do. Patrick is calling us from lovely River Falls, Wisconsin. Patrick, thanks for calling. What's in your mind? Well, uh, the U-turn is illegal pretty much anywhere unless you get caught. Um, however, I do believe uh, the heat in uh, Chicago re- reminds me of a couple of games I played in softball. And... Uh, laboring around bases when you can't breathe, and the catcher for the Twins, yeah. who uh, who made it around there and actually scored, that guy was uh, fantastic. Well, I, I was I was worried about him. I'm serious. I mean, he looked very much like... I was amazed they didn't pull him when he went to first, because he... And then they showed him at second base, and he's like rubbing his 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 chest like around his heart. I'm going, what the what the hell's going on? I mean, he looked yeah, utterly and completely spent. Base, yeah. Second, yeah. got the third, got home. God I bless the man. Thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. I don't know if he scored. Did he? I I don't remember. I thought he he might have gotten stranded on third. We'll double check that whether he whether he came in, but. Um, Forecast pretty much the same today? Yeah, it's another scorcher. Heat, excessive heat warning until 7 p.m. tonight, high of 94. 67% humidity, heat index values as high as 102. We didn't have as much heat yesterday as we did the day before, right? I mean, it was warm. It It was was still muggy. It was still humid, but I don't think it was quite as bad as it it had been previously. Uh, Let's get caught up. We got a couple of uh, breaking items from the world of NBA free agency that we should indeed discuss. We've got a half hour to go. No cake show today. Guardsy taking the afternoon off.
Still in a 1-1 barn burner with homestanding Russia. 82 minutes into the match. It's anybody's ball game right now. Oh, man. In the in the knockout round, how do we break ties? So I think they go to overtime. So there's two do 15... they go to overtime forever? There's two 15-minute it... sessions. Okay. Then they will go to penalty kicks. After that. So yes. there is an extended OT of 30. Exactly. But eventually it could come to uh, to penalty kicks. Wow, this would be a pretty big upset, I would think. I think this game's got penalty kicks written all yeah, over it yeah, right now. Yeah. Unless La Roja can do La Roja, that. Oh. Little, looked like it had a little threat there. Yeah, they can bring Iniesta off the bench, that, which they just did. That, that helps. Final segment of sermons today on a an extremely moist, rainy, muggy Sunday morning here in the uh, Twin Cities of Minneapolis and... St. Paul, delighted you chose to join us today. I had a couple of, uh, from much earlier in the program, um, cabin emails I got regarding the issue of, um, you know, I asked, if you have a cabin, what do you do on a day like this? Do you mope? Do you leave early? Say, let's beat the traffic? Do you basically still, um, I guess, get out in it? Not be bothered by the weather at all. Don't don't let it intimidate you. Emailer Matthew, you've pegged all the factors to consider. If the entire clan is at the cabin, weather like today is a great excuse to go home and get a few things done. I think that's code for too close proximity for too many people. If it's a small crowd, there's definitely a puzzle going, as you often did, Ryan. Early morning cocktails, coolers included. Lots of cribbage for a penny, a point, and naps. Leaving early always means less time with Grandma, and we don't know how much time we have left with her. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess that's another way you have to. Uh, I guess that's another way you have to look at things. Eight hundred three two zero five three two six six five one nine eight nine fifty three twenty six. The breaking news regarding NBA free agency is that LeBron James representatives, but not LeBron James himself, will meet. With members of the Philadelphia of the Philadelphia seventy sixers contingent, is that correct? Yes, and that will include James's agent, Rich Paul, okay. as well, which would seem to indicate. And that's from that's that's from Woj. That's from Adrian Wojnarowski. Does he does he elaborate enough to say that he thinks this means by definition that Philly is a legitimate contender, or that this just might be courtesy? I feel like this is just you know LeBron's camp doing their due diligence here. I don't know if Philly's a legit contender, but who knows? I mean, they flew out all the way to Los Angeles to meet with them, so they must think that there's at least some kind of possibility to yeah. make it worth the trip. Well, as we said, if you've, if you've not heard the news, uh, Paul George is staying in Oklahoma City. Considered a mild upset, uh, he's going to get something like $140 million. So it can't be that much of an upset. But I don't know if he could have gotten more elsewhere or what the rules were on that. Um, as everybody assumed, Durant is going to sign another two-year deal in Golden State, which he'll be able to opt out of after one, which is what's expected. Um, 
who's going to st- Chris Paul's going to stay in Houston. Gerald Green is going to stay in Houston. Uh, Trevor Ariza is going to go from Houston to Phoenix, apparently, a one-year deal for uh, $15 million. And the Wolves, in a, in one of the more modest deals, it, it has to be the least expensive deal we've had mentioned thus far, Derek Rose is coming back to the Wolves as expected for, what was it, a little less than three mil? 2.4. 2.4, so it's not even, uh, not even $2.5 million, million, a one-year deal. And um, we get back to... And, and there's no final word on Wayne Ellington. Uh, most people thought that the Wolves couldn't be in that derby, even though they'd like to be in that derby, because he's he's developed into a very nice three-point shooter, set the record, for, I think, for the Miami Heat last year, uh, which is saying something. We had him once. He was in a very different place at that point, obviously. He's developed into a legitimate three-point shooter. So, I, you know, if you're a Wolves fan, I think I don't think you should be panicky about Derrick Rose. I really don't. I, I have no problem with that signing, especially at that price. I think you have reason to have healthy concern about where are we going to end up here? Where where are we going to end up? And I I got to believe that maybe not in a very good place in terms of getting a pure shooter. Um because the names that were the most attractive are pretty much earmarked to go back to where they were. And then I guess you're Maybe you find somebody a little bit off the beaten track who might help you, or you hope that actually this draft you might get immediate returns and or a trade. And I, the Wolves are saying all the right things on Wiggins. They, they're saying pretty much what they have to say. I don't think that they are necessarily eager to deal him. I think they'd be foolish to give him away, obviously. I'm not interested in getting. 50, I'm not just for the sake of getting out from under the contract. I'm not interested in going fifty cents on the on the dollar. So uh, my guess is it's the old you keep your eyes open, and if somebody surprises you on Wiggins, then you would obviously consider it. And uh, by the way, is there anything on LeBron in Boston that's been offered up? Because I mean, that's of course what Wol- Wolves fans who kind of live probably in a in a in a in in the world of denial, that's their hope is. Somehow he ends up in Boston, and that means Kyrie's got to go someplace else, and that opens the door to Kyrie to being traded, and then maybe we can get in that discussion. And the dream that we had a year ago, the possibility of Kyrie coming here to create a big three along with uh, Butler and Towns might still, again, be at least a possibility. Uh, It's crickets on the LeBron to Boston front right now. So stay tuned. Yeah. It's not over. But, yeah, I haven't heard a single peep. Kawhi Leonard, there's really nothing new either, other than that um, the Spurs, I think, off the record, have pretty much confirmed they got a they got a problem. And I think there's going to be conversations, but conversations is a long way from we're desperate to trade them. Now, maybe they feel that way. Maybe they feel like they got to get out from under it even before training camp starts. I doubt that's the way they're going to think. I don't know what terms that Le- Leonard uh, put it on. But, I mean, the thing, that, <laughs> what, what's floating over all of this that is probably the most daunting aspect of it, If I think if you're a Wolves fan, is the obvious point that um, Golden State is intact. In fact, apparently there's been some conversation between Golden State and uh, Jamal Crawford's people. There might be some mutual interest there. That'd be, to me, see, again, that's the perfect kind of place for uh, for Jamal in that, he can do what he does, and they got enough defensive cover 
to probably cover for him. And it's a lot easier for a, a team like that to deal with what Jamal Crawford can't give you than perhaps the Wolves are able to. Um, but you got Golden State's still going to be awfully, awfully good. Houston is going to be awfully good. Now they lose Ariza, but they're still going to be you know towards the top of the the deal. So again, the Wolves are in this odd dilemma in that because of the way they're built, I guess because of Butler, because of the relative age of the club, they're almost wired to have to go for it now. But what are you going for? Is of course the, been the comeback. You're, in all honesty, you're going for. Getting to the second round, maybe getting to the conference finals, I guess, depending on your draw, which I guess would be fine. I guess most Wolves fans, if you said next year the Wolves will go to the conference finals, you'd take that, even if then you're going to get you're going to get beat again by Houston or Golden State. But that's the irony of the situation that the uh, the, the Wolves are in is that uh, everybody's sort of waiting around for Golden State and Houston to implode. And I guess you you know you you can't ever account for injuries that could change things rather dramatically. But there's no reason to think that either of those teams. Um, aren't going to be sort of ruling the roost in, in the West for a while. And then you're back to, well, the Wolves back better off not even pretending that they can go for anything now. Well, the problem with that is then Butler loses interest. Exactly right. right? Yep. And then and then you end up, and then and then where are you? Then you're back uh, pretty much to uh, to uh, square one. Um, I had a, I've tried to find the, well, I'm not going to have time to find the tweet now. Somebody threw out a number for Zach Levine uh, contractually that Levine laughed at. Then via Twitter... He mocked it, so I. There's some talk that Levine, that a couple people might, a couple teams might try to go after Levine. I'd always assumed he was going to stay in Chicago. I don't know if we have any new information on uh, on him as well. Booth at kfan.com, Bradshaw and Bryant inbox. If uh, I, you know, it's boy, it's like reading my mind. I was going to ask if we had anybody listening today who was either in Chicago or on their way to Chicago to uh, pick up. Game three, Cubs, Twins this afternoon, where once again it's supposed to be very, very warm. And honestly, on cue, as I was about to say, at emailer Michael, our family went to Wrigley yesterday as part of a family reunion weekend, brought group tickets in November. We were under the overhang down the first baseline, even with the right fielder. Those aren't bad seats, actually. I think those were the seats that Ferris Bueller sat in in the film when they uh, played hooky that day and spent an inning or two at Wrigley Field. we were uh, Thus, we were spared from the sun beating down, but we were also not benefiting from the breeze due to the overhang. Bottom line, any Twins fans who purchased tickets for both Saturday and Sunday probably have zero interest in going today because yesterday the heat index experience of 107 was enough. Yeah, it was uh, it was warm, but again, I think, you know, you if you have to, you can, you can move around a little bit. You can get out of the... Well, there it sounds like they were out of the... Uh, out of the sun as well. And, um, yeah, the bleachers, I don't know how sunny it's supposed to be today. Yesterday it looked like the uh, it was pretty unremitting heat in that bleacher section where it looked to me as if there was room out there where you could, uh, even though it was a huge crowd in terms of uh, tenants paid, that uh, there were a lot of people who either left early or weren't that interested in staying and uh, taking all that heat in the in the sun. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine those those bleachers have to almost act like mirrors for the sun just those have to reflect a lot of heat who's pitching for us today uh it is uh let's see i had it up here it's your guy lance lynn that's right it's lance lynn today um we had to have we were so out of players yesterday we had to pinch hit 
one pitcher for another to end the game. And I think Zach Duke, who was actually a pretty good hitter, had to bat once as well because we lost not one, not two, but three players to uh, to heat issues. Apparently. We had 17 hitters throughout the, the game yesterday. 17 players, different players, went Man. to the batter's box. And as I talked about earlier, I think if uh, if you're, you know, the weather, the heat notwithstanding, if you're a fan who planned to make this trip for a while, it's easier to probably accept the results if it's an outing, right? If it's a Wrigley Field outing, if it's a Chicago outing, if it's a, you know, we're going to meet family and then we're going to go have a nice dinner after the ball game, et cetera, et cetera. We're hanging out at a pretty nice hotel on the lakefront. Um, I think it's easier to accept, to not think about the baseball reality, which I thought was crystallized again, certainly yesterday, maybe Friday as well. And this may be viewed as stating the obvious, but every once in a while it, it hits you even more so when you see it right in front of you, just how big a gap there is between what the Cubs represent and where the Twins are. And I understand that the two teams are in different places in their continuum. You know, the Cubs are... You know, they went to a new GM, combinate, new new management team, basically. They're still in the relatively early stages of that. It's been a couple of years. Um, the Cubs, they cleaned house. They were historically awful for a while. They 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 just bought. You know, they they waited it out. They stayed patient. They built through the system, and then at the moment of truth, when they felt they were ready, they started adding players, free agency spending making trades, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand that they went through difficult times, too, and they're way past that. Now they're they're in their window where they think they should be competing for World Series. And um, they haven't had a great season, but they're sitting, I think, at uh, the halfway point at 46 and 35. So that's a 92-win a pace, which I think we would take. But the point is, you watch the depth, the way the teams operate, um, the options that Madden has... And you say, my God, for all the discussion about how we're we're figuring it out and we're in a more favorable spot and we're building, whatever, we have so many open questions that it, it, it hits you on a night a day like yesterday, not just because of the way the game is played out, that the difference between them and us. It's extraordinary. And and again, part of that is some people we viewed as important parts of our present and future are so much up in the air. Santana is a pitcher who's still having trouble breaking 90 miles per hour in his rehab. Buxton, Sano, etc., etc. Meanwhile, they've got pretty much things in place and uh, allegedly a lot of good young talent as well. I don't mean to depress you here towards the end, but that's the reality of it, unfortunately. No cake show today. That means no Micheletti today, right? Yeah, no house band. It's, Man, it's oh, emotional. It's unbelievable. So, uh, Garzi is back with me tomorrow. AP Sports Guy, or the artist formerly known as AP Sports Guy, now John Athletic, with a free agency update, maybe even a little Twins slash Vikings conversation with him. Maybe John Bream to review the concert weekend and other musical issues as well. Stay tuned for more information on that via Twitter. Enjoy the rest of a rather, rather wet, muggy Sunday afternoon. We'll talk tomorrow at 3 o'clock right here on The Fan.